Welcome to the gathering. My name's Martin Jones. I serve on the dream team as well as the teaching team. And as you have guessed by now, the mere fact that you are watching this, you know that we have had to change the way that we meet this morning from in-person to virtual. And that's as a result of the forecasted inclement weather. Our leadership team had been carefully monitoring the forecast over the last 48 hours. And late last night, the call was made for the safety of those who set up the church in the morning, as well as you, that um, we would pivot. We would go from meeting in person to a virtual worship event this morning. Uh, it keeps as many people as possible safe. We believe the church is made up of the people. And so we want to care for the people and we have the technology to be able to do this as a one-off activity. I was actually scheduled to teach this morning. Our lead pastor, John Mark Redwine, was unable to be with us. And so I'm still going to go ahead and I'm going to bring you the message that I feel that God laid on my heart. So let, let me pray for us all right now, and then we'll jump right into uh, what I believe God wants to say to us virtually this morning. I thank you, Father, for who you are. I thank you for your control. We believe that uh, all things are under your authority. You see all things, you know all things, and in your sovereignty, you knew that this morning that, the, um, that your word spoken to your people was going to be different, and we're really grateful that we live in a day and age where we have the technology to be able to, uh, to change on short notice in this way. We pray, however, that your spirit would still speak and pierce through the, the distance, the screens, and that we would hear from you. And uh, we pray for the safety of all of those who are out on our roads. Um, we pray, Father, that uh, you would bring us back together again next weekend as the gathering of Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt by another person? If you have, how did you respond? Now, I assume that almost everybody watching this has at some stage been hurt by the words or the behavior or the actions of another person. I think it's something that is common to, to human life and existence, and we typically respond to it in a variety of different ways. And sometimes we can move on relatively quickly, but other times we are deeply impacted. The pain that another person causes us can stay with us for a while. How did you respond when that person hurt you, when that person caused you pain? This is something that God has spoken about, something that he's given us very clear instructions on. And we're actually going to look at an entire book of the Bible as we try to unpack how do we respond when another person hurts us. Now, don't panic, don't worry. This is still going to be a, a shorter message than we would usually have. We're going to look at the, the letter of Philemon. It's Paul's shortest letter, and it appears in the New Testament at the very end of all of his letters. It wasn't written as the last letter chronologically, but as the Bible was organized, it's the, the smallest letter, the shortest one. So it was included at the very end. And it's a letter written to a man called Philemon who was hurt by somebody else. Now, before I get into this, 
I feel that I need to make a, an opening caveat, an opening statement, that I'm not addressing anyone or any particular situation in our church. I'm not aware of a, a division or a situation where people have fallen out, and so I'm not speaking into any particular behavior or incident. It's important that you know that, that if what you're going to hear this morning speaks to a situation you're in, you're not at all being singled out. And our lead pastor, John Mark, didn't go out of town and ask me to address an issue. This is something that God has put on my heart. And in fact, the last three times I preached at a gathering, I almost shared this. I simply felt the spirit was leading me to another text. But this morning, I have prepared to teach from this, this short letter of Philemon and to answer the question, how do we respond when another person hurts us? So here's the story of Philemon. Philemon was a successful, uh, likely wealthy business person, influential in both his city and his church. So he was a Christian. Uh, he lived in the city of Colossae, that would be in modern day Turkey. And in fact, the letter of Colossians is written to that city. But as well as Paul writing a letter to the whole of the city Colossians, he wrote a personal letter to a leader of the church in that city. And that letter is Philemon. And here's the background. Philemon had probably a number of slaves, uh, but one in particular was called Onesimus. I know that's a strange name, but that was his name, uh, Onesimus. If you were to translate it into English, it actually means useful. Uh, so Onesimus was a slave of Philemon and he ran away. That in itself would have caused Philemon at least economical pain and would likely have been on some level a breach of trust. So definitely would have caused some upset but we also believe that Onesimus ran away with something of value that belonged to Philemon. It'll become apparent as I read through the letter. So there would have been economic pain caused to Philemon. It would have left Philemon in a situation of, legally speaking, being able to punish his runaway slave, Onesimus. Philemon had every right to punish somebody who hurt him. Onesimus ran away. He actually ran away to Rome. In Rome, he met Paul. Paul was under house arrest. He had been arrested and was awaiting trial before Caesar. And over a period of time, it appears that Onesimus came to faith in Jesus and Paul mentored him and discipled him. And there reached a stage where Paul said to Onesimus, I need you to go back to Philemon and to repair that bridge. I need you to go back and to repair the relationship. You've caused somebody pain, you've hurt somebody else, and that needs to be rectified. And so the letter is Paul writing to Philemon, saying this is how I want you to respond to another person, Onesimus, who's clearly hurt you. This is how we respond in Christ. So let me introduce it just with some, uh, uh, you know, I'll read the opening statements of the book. And then there are, there are four things that we're going to learn from it this morning. And we'll, we'll move through them reasonably quickly. And then we'll have some application. So Philemon, uh, verse one, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, 
our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's introducing himself, as he always does in his letters. He's immediately making it clear that he's a prisoner. He's under house arrest at this time. One of his uh, companions, Timothy, is with him. That would be Timothy, to whom Paul wrote first and second Timothy, who would become a pastor at Ephesus. He writes to Philemon, a leader in this church plant, uh, very similar, I suppose, to the gathering. Those other names, Aphia, we think, was Philemon's wife and Archippus, his son. And then Paul reminds Philemon that he is a recipient of grace. Grace is something we've received that we don't deserve. That's going to be important as we work our way through the text. And because of that grace, we are at peace with the the one who is in control over all things God. And then he continues the introduction in verse four. Uh, He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love. I hear of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints. Uh, This is a great thing to ever be said of any person. Uh, Paul is saying, Philemon, I've heard about you. You are a man of love. I have heard that not only are you known for your love for Jesus, but you're known for your love for the church. In fact, he'll uh, he'll go on in verse seven and uh, he says this. He said, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul is introducing this letter and saying, Philemon, news of who you are has reached even where I am in Rome. And what I'm hearing is you're a godly man. You're a man that people look at and they say, this man loves Jesus. This man is known for his love for the church. Now, Paul is going to take that and it's going to become the very first way in which he's going to ask Philemon to respond to someone who's hurt him. So point number one, how should we respond to pain that's caused by another person? How do we respond to hurt? Number one, love. Love. Verse eight. Accordingly, and by the way, literally in the Greek, that is therefore. Whenever, in some of the translations actually have therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you always have to ask yourself, what is it there for? And what Paul is doing here is he's pointing back to the statement about Philemon being a man of love. He's saying, Philemon, because of who you are, I want you now to put feet on that faith. So therefore, Although I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for, here it is, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. That's the slave. I appeal to you for Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now, indeed, he's useful to me. Paul's saying, look, Philemon, you're a man of love. Everybody knows this. Therefore, I want you to demonstrate that love to somebody who doesn't deserve it. And this is not to negate Philemon, the pain that has been caused to you. 
but it is to say that you need to respond to this person who's caused you pain by showing them love. Now, this isn't a romantic love. This isn't an erotic or a sexual love. This is a Christian love. This is a decision. This is a choice. This is wanting for the other person the best possible outcome. This is wanting for the other person what you would want for yourself. This is showing compassion. And in fact, it, it's something that we find all throughout Scripture. Uh, when the Apostle John uh, wrote uh, his first letter, 1 John, in chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, he said, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. Because he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, acknowledging that there is hurt and pain and saying, but Philemon, I want you to respond with that very thing that you're known for, love. I want you to love somebody that you have every right to punish. You have every right to scorn them and to avoid them and to be bitter towards them, but that's not how Jesus people, how believers, how Christians are to respond. We respond, first of all, with love. The second way that we respond to another person who has hurt us we start with this choice of deciding to love them, to want for them the best that we would want for ourselves. But the second thing is to reconcile. Now then, to reconcile if possible. And I'm going to come to that if possible. It's a, it's a very significant caveat. So let me first of all address reconciliation. How do you respond to someone who's hurt you? You love them and if possible, if possible, you reconcile. Let me keep reading. Uh, this would be from verse 12 of Philemon. I am sending him, so Philemon, I'm sending Onesimus, this slave who's hurt you, I'm sending him back to you physically. I am sending this person back to you. That's, that's the reconciliation. I'm sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. Paul's saying, look, I'd really prefer to keep Onesimus with me. It would be far easier that he didn't physically come back to you, but there's something so important that has to happen with him coming back to you. There's something so fundamental in the reconciliation of a broken relationship. Paul said, look, I, I could command you to take him back. It, this would be like me meeting with our lead pastor, John Mark, about a problem and him saying, look, I'm the pastor. I'm telling you, you have to do this. By the way, our lead pastor is such a great guy. He would never do that. Uh, Paul is doing the same thing. He's saying, look, I, I could force you to receive him back, but that would not be the right thing. But I want you still to receive him back, to reconcile. You know, reconciliation is a central theme of all of Scripture. Over and again, the message of the gospel is a message of reconciliation. We, sinners, are reconciled to God 
through Jesus Christ. But we see it consistently as people are urged to reconcile with other people. Uh, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he addressed a lot of things and turned a lot of notions on their head. One of them was relationships between people. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Matthew 5, 23 Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and you could read into that, if you're worshipping, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. And first, be reconciled to your brother or to your sister and then come and offer your gift. If Jesus were in our church and when we were meeting in person and he would say, look, if you're worshipping and you're, you're raising your hands to me in praise, but then you look across the church and you, you realise there's someone there that you have a disagreement with, stop worshipping and go and be reconciled with that person first. It's a theme that we see consistently. Uh, another time, Paul wrote a letter to a church that was filled with division. In fact, he wrote several of them to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the very last thing he writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse, where are we? 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. That's difficult. But one of the central messages that comes from God for his people is to be reconciled in the same way as a reflection of our reconciliation with God. But, but, sometimes that's just not possible. And I want you to hear this very carefully in the same way that hopefully I I took care to say I'm not speaking to any given situation this morning. I will need you to hear that sometimes it's not possible to reconcile. Sometimes situations are such that it would be unsafe to reconcile. So we would never, we would never recommend that someone try to put themselves back in an abusive relationship, whether that had been physical abuse or emotional or mental abuse. It's just not safe. And so it's not possible to be reconciled. Sometimes the legal system, the law prevents you from being physically reconciled. Sometimes it is just not appropriate to be reconciled with another person that has caused you hurt and pain. And you know what? There's actually biblical validation for that. Paul wrote another letter to the church at Rome in Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 13. Uh, I beg your pardon, verse 18, Romans 12, 18. Paul said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all. But you know what? Sometimes it's just not possible. Either because of physical or emotional abuse, because of the legal system, because of it would just be inappropriate. Um, Even in this very letter of Philemon, we see hints of that. You see at the end of the letter, Uh, Paul sends greetings from a number of different people to Philemon. So he refers to people called Aristarchus, uh, Luke, Epaphras, and then he refers to two people in particular. First of all, Mark. That would be Mark who wrote the second gospel. Mark was with Paul under house arrest in prison 
when Paul wrote this letter and Paul said, hey, Mark says hello. But Paul and Mark weren't always in a situation where they would see eye to eye. Mark, who's also called John Mark in Acts chapter 13, initially goes with Paul on his first missionary journey. And then something happens. We, we're not really told what, but Mark leaves Paul on the mission field. And this hurts Paul. It causes him significant pain. So much so that two chapters later in Acts chapter 15, Paul is planning his second missionary journey with Barnabas. And Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark with us. And Paul says, no way. Absolutely not. Uh, he deserted us last time. He's not coming. I don't trust the guy. I'm paraphrasing a little, but there's such a strong argument between Paul and Barnabas over this that we have the very first church split. And Paul goes one way and Barnabas and Mark go the other. But here at the end of Paul's life or towards the end of his life, we see Paul has reconciled with Mark. But there's another name here. Paul sends greetings from a man called Demas. Demas was working with Paul at this time, but something happens and Demas separates himself. He has a falling out with Paul and they're never reconciled. In fact, if you go to the end of 2 Timothy, you'll find out that Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Demas has just forsaken me. He was never reconciled with Demas. So this is what I want you to hear right now, that we respond to somebody who hurts us by, by loving them and that's a choice. That's an active decision. But we, where possible, we reconcile with them, knowing that sometimes that's not going to be achievable. The third way that we respond to another person that's hurt us is we give them a second chance. We give them a second chance. So I'm going to pick right up in the, uh, in the reading. So this is Philemon. This is verse 15. For this perhaps is why he, Onesimus, was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you in the flesh and in the Lord? Paul's saying, Philemon, maybe, maybe God was at work in a way that you didn't really understand. This isn't to negate the pain that you have endured, the hurt that you have felt. This isn't to brush that aside and pretend it never happened. But perhaps there's something at work that is beyond anything that we could have comprehended. And in fact, that, that's what's happened because Onesimus ran away from Philemon and, and stole. But it was in doing so, he met Paul and he came to faith. He became a believer and his life was changed. And Paul here is saying, look, God's given him a second chance. He's coming back to you no longer as a slave. He's coming back to you as a believer. He has been given a second opportunity by God. And maybe in some crazy way that that's why God allowed all of this to happen. Because he was at work in Onesimus's life. And will also now be at work in your life. And that would never have happened had things remained the way that they were. That's a difficult message. But that's what Paul's saying here to Philemon. So if you have been hurt by another person, first of all, we're not saying that that never happened. We're not dismissing the pain. We're not belittling the pain. You have been injured by another person. 
would you, would you be willing to give them a second chance? Now, that might be in person, which would go back to reconciliation, but it might not. So would you be willing to have an attitude that reached the stage that you were saying, God, I'm willing for you to give them a second chance. I'm willing for them to have success in something. I'm willing for them to uh, be blessed by you. I'm willing for them to be used by you. Would it be okay if God used a person who's hurt you in a very positive way? Can you make the choice to allow God to grant them a second chance? Whether that's in a second chance in a new relationship, whether that's the second chance in a, in a business or a financial setting or with um, another person in another church, in another setting. But we, through Christ, have had the greatest second chance possible. And that's something now that we're to extend to others. God is in the business of second chances. This is something else we find all throughout the Bible. In fact, I, I think in the Old Testament, I, one of the most famous examples is Jonah, the prophet. Most of you know the story of Jonah. God gave Jonah a responsibility to go and tell thousands of people about him. And Jonah said no. And he went his own way and ended up in a storm, got thrown overboard, found himself in the, the belly of a, a fish. But, you know, Jonah chapter three, verse one, starts off that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God gave Jonah a second opportunity. In the New Testament, it's again, it's in the, the gospel of, of Matthew. Um, Peter was talking to Jesus. And uh, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, we read, uh, Peter came up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In other words, Peter was saying, how often shall I forgive someone? How often shall I give another person a second chance? Uh, should I give him as many as seven times? So Peter's just plucking this, this number from the air. And Jesus responds in Matthew 18, 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you 70 times, but 77 times. That's a limitless. That's Peter. We give people opportunities again and again and again and again and again, because that's what God does with us. And in fact, that leads us into our final point, our fourth point. How do we respond when another person has caused us pain? How do we respond to hurt? Well, we, we love the person. That's a decision, a choice to want for them the best. We, if possible, we reconcile with them, but understanding it might not be possible, but we're willing to give them a second chance just as we have received a second chance. And finally, we forgive them. We forgive them. How do I respond to somebody that's hurt me? I forgive them. So verse 17 of Philemon, if you consider me your partner, receive him. So Philemon, receive Onesimus, this man who has caused you pain. Receive him as you would receive me, the Apostle Paul. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, Charge that to my account. I, Paul, I write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me even your own self, 
This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, Onesimus, he has hurt you. I, I, I agree you that Philemon, Onesimus has hurt you, but I want you to receive him as you would receive me, the apostle Paul. Now, would Philemon hold something against Paul? Of course he wouldn't. Would Philemon want Paul to repay him? No, of course he would not. And so Paul's saying, look, if Onesimus owes you a debt, I'll settle it. And there's no way Philemon is going to have Paul settle a debt. And so what Paul is really saying is erase his debt. Consider it to be repaid already. Don't hold that debt against him. Erase it permanently. That is a picture of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not negating the pain. I hope that we have affirmed that already. But what it's saying is, God, I release this pain to you. I'm going to, you see, forgiveness primarily is between us and God. It's vertical. It's saying, God, you know what's happened. I'm going to let this go. Because you have forgiven me so much more, I am now going to forgive them. That can happen at a distance. That can happen without reconciliation at all. That's something between you and God. I've heard many people say a lack of forgiveness is like drinking a vial of poison and hoping that another person dies. All you do is, is hurt yourself. And this, again, is a central theme of Scripture. Paul would write to the entire city of Colossae, a letter called Colossians. And in chapter 3, verse 13, Colossians 3.13, he wrote this, Bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's difficult, right? It is. It's very tough. But forgiveness is central to the message that we have through Jesus. As we have been forgiven, we are now as the forgiven to extend that to others. How do I respond to another person that's caused me pain? As I read this letter, this personal pastoral letter to a man who has been hurt by another person, Paul is saying we have to love them. We, if possible, if circumstances are safe, we reconcile. And by the way, if you're unsure about a situation you are in, then reach out to us as the church leadership. Take godly, wise counsel before you take any steps. We are willing to give them a second chance, even if that's not one-on-one -on -one and in person. But that is at a distance. We're willing to say, God, I'm going to be okay with you using them in a new way, in a different way, in a new relationship, in a different city. But more than anything else, we forgive them. We extend to them what we have received in Christ. Now then, I would never ask you to do something. I would never share a message that was not also very personal to me. And so let me close by saying that uh, I have hurt other people. I have been hurt by other people. About 10 years ago, uh, I was called to be the lead pastor of a church in the Chicago area. Uh, I followed a pastor of uh, over 18 years 
and the the committee that uh, was put together to kind of find me and bring me in they said look we we're just losing a lot of our uh, younger people our younger families our college students we want you to come in as the successor to the pastor that has retired we want you to come in and we want you to bring back the the new generation the younger generation that's your remit and so uh that's what i started doing and uh, God blessed that and we began making a lot of changes and we began seeing some significant growth. Young families began returning, the, the, the nursery, the, the children's ministry began to grow. Our college ministry exploded. We were in a college town. But with change also comes challenges. Uh, some people uh, don't respond well to change or they're afraid of change. And so uh, although I made a lot of friends, uh, I made a lot of enemies. And some three years later, um, we, we left that environment. Uh, we'd done a lot of work. We prepared the ground for, for the next pastor to, to come along. Uh, but I realized as we left, uh, we were leaving with some lifelong friends, but there were some broken relationships. And, um, you know, two years after that, I realized that some of those relationships had still not been healed and uh, God had put me in a different place and uh, brought me to the stage of realizing that I needed to reach out. And I did. I called up uh, on the phone three people in particular who'd worked closely with me. And I feel that uh, perhaps at times I had not treated them in the, in the way that I ought to have done. And I apologized to them. And, you know, they were so gracious. They were so compassionate. Uh, they responded in the way that I have just indicated and um, those relationships were, were healed and rebuilt and reconciled, but other relationships weren't. Uh, I remember one guy, a church member, who came into my office during that three-year period and literally across the table screamed at me and told me that I was satanic, that I was not of uh, Jesus at all. And obviously that relationship was not reconciled. Um, but I forgave that person and I forgave other people who I felt caused me pain in the way that I have caused it to others. And that's what I'm asking of you. That's what I believe God is asking of us all. To be a people that are known not for bitterness, but acknowledging hurt, are willing to love, to forgive, to give a second chance. And if it is appropriate, to be reconciled, to walk across the aisle, to send a text message, to pick up the phone and to say, hey, let's let's heal this rift between us. And, you know, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, then you need to be reconciled to God through faith because God loves you more than anything else. God loves you and God wants the relationship with you to be healed and reconciled. He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that through faith in him, you would be given a second chance. You would be forgiven eternally. So I'll pray. We'll close this out. Father, I thank you that we have had this opportunity to learn virtually. And if I have misspoken in any way, take those words from the minds and the hearts of all who've heard them and leave only the truth. But that truth, we pray, would impact every single one of us, whether that is as a believer, we need to respond to another person that's hurt us, whether that is coming to you for the first time through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, forgive our sins, strengthen our faith 
and bring us back together as a church in Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you next weekend.